0: So I was six to eight years old in Oklahoma, and I hated cleaning my room, absolutely hated cleaning my room, just like any other kid. You know, I'd just shove all the shit underneath my bed or in the closet. But I had a ton of stuffed animals and all these toys everywhere, and I loved my pink boombox. I could listen to my classical opera off of my pink boombox. I was a very strange kid. I loved opera. And uh, one day, my mother had been so fed up with my room being a mess that she came in with trash bags and she bagged everything up in my room tied it up and threw it to the curb she goes that's it I'm getting rid of everything in your room your room's disgusting it's a mess we're throwing it out so I look out my front window and I just see like trash bags of my toys and all my precious things out on the curb and I'm wailing I'm just crying mom how can you get rid of all my stuff (laughs) so about five minutes later She says, because I'm going, (laughs) right? Honey, listen, God spoke to me, and he said, you can keep one thing. I loved my pink boombox. My pink boombox was like KJ-103 would play, and I would listen to the music, and I would jam out, or there would be opera, and I'd be like, oh riding around on my bike and it was just that was my life. I would have just kept that and that's really what I was going towards. And I turn around and I'm looking in my room and I'm thinking, what do I want to keep? I've got an empty room here. What do I want to keep? And I'm thinking okay, my pink boombox. And then I stopped for a second and I said okay but what is it that my mother wants me to keep? What is it that she's expecting me to keep? And then I thought for a second. I said, you know My mom's going to be expecting something. So I went back to her and I said, You know what, Mommy? I think I'm going to keep my Bible. And she goes, Oh, what a great choice. You know what? God said if you chose your Bible, you could have all your stuff back. So she goes out to the curb and she brings all the trash bags back in and she leaves everything and she goes, You know, you're such a good Christian girl. And from that second forward... I learned that if I kind of push aside what it is that I really want and I can read a person well enough that I can get everything.
1: I was in a theater troupe in Seattle uh, in the 80s. And this was after Paul, the white trash savior, the what's love got to do with it guy. And we were done. And I was in this hiatus before I moved to New York and doing a bunch of theater, and I i didn't know who I was, but I knew I wanted to act, and I always knew I was an actor, but I didn't feel like I had what it took. I went into this theater company, and, and there was this guy there, and he was the most spectacular, strange, and wonderful man I'd ever seen. He had the brownest eyes, the brownest hair. He was wiry. He was beautiful, kind, And he was absolutely extraordinary and an amazing actor, and I was smitten. And for the first time ever in a very long time, he was smitten with me. And my hands were sweaty talking about him, because I remember all this now. And uh, he was the very first man who offered himself fully to me. And I didn't know what to do with it. I had no idea what to do with this. I was very confused by this. And he was wonderful. And he said, I want you to come see a show. And I went to see a show he was in. And in the show, he was so bare, so open, so emotionally uh, honest on stage, it took my breath away. He, he said, I, I really like you. I want to spend time with you. And I said, I like you too. And, but I didn't know what to do with someone liking me so much. It was almost too much for me to deal with. Hi, I'm Michael C. Bryan.
0: And I'm Jennifer Ho.
1: We help people understand the purpose of their pain.
0: We've been through a lot and we've come out the other side.
1: We talk about everything and anything.
0: Especially what other people are afraid to talk about. Life is an
1: invitation to do whatever the fuck you want.
0: And it's definitely time to look at how we're playing the game.
1: We held ourselves back for years.
0: But now we're mostly past all that shit.
1: Mostly. Welcome Welcome to to Stripped. Stripped.
0: So my choice of choosing that Bible gave me everything I wanted back, gave me my life back. I just had to give up a little bit of myself in order to get everything afterward. And that set me on such a path for the rest of my life. I would always weigh out my options. So if a man would come up to me and he wanted to date me or he would start talking to me at the bar... I would look at him and I'd say, okay, I know that you want to have sex with me, that this isn't about a relationship. And so I would give up a little bit of my time or a little bit of my my actual personality in order to fuck with him. That's what I would do to manipulate the situation. I would get drinks or, you know, get food or I could go take his Porsche for a drive or he'll take me on a trip to Paris or whatever it was. I knew that if I gave up a little bit of myself – I could get everything else that I wanted. And so I used that for a number of years. And actually, I would love to, because every time I talk about manipulation, people tend to get a little off-kilter on what manipulation is. They have this adverse effect or adverse reaction to it. Like, it's always, you're such an evil person.
1: So I was teaching aerobics at the time <laughs> to make a living. I, I was so proud of myself. I used to go out and party and get up at 5 30 a.m. and put on my leg warmers and um i had a huge following you know of course of uh, older women like oh he's so in shape and so nice and i used to get on a platform with a headset and i would jump around to like the gross, like the best party mixes ever sound mind and body was the gym i was at and I used to um, teach aerobics, you know. And so he was a theater guy who, who had no interest in <laughs> exercise or aerobics. And he used to come in his battered sneakers and his black socks and his horribly ratty shorts and his tattered ACDC cutoff shirt and try so hard to keep up with me in the pony. My big, I was very proud of the pony and all my different moves I did. And he just couldn't do it, this guy. Uh, but he tried. And so the relationship started to become a little more involved. And whenever we would make love, he and I, he was very intent with me and very looking at me. I could tell he was falling in love with me. And uh, I would constantly pull away from him. So as he started to get more into me, I then broke off the relationship and said, I can't be with you. And he said, why are you doing this? We're supposed to be in this relationship. And I said, I just, I don't, I don't know. It's just not working for me.
0: Okay. So the definition of manipulate is to handle or control typically in a skillful manner. Typically in a skillful so for me there is no judgment there's no negative there's no positive here it's just something that we do we handle or control typically in a skillful manner so for me I I learned to manipulate that way and so I would do that everywhere so for instance my second grade teacher I really wanted to get good grades I already had good grades but I really wanted her to like me so I used to go up and I would give her massages throughout the day just randomly go up and give her massages. And she would always be so nice to me. I could always get a little extra here or there. And so I would use that all over, especially at bars. So one time I go into a bar, and this is in Philadelphia. I was living there. I went to school there. And I walk up to this guy, and he's like, hey, you know, how you doing? I'm like, Ugh, I'm fine. I'm like, what do you want? I always had that kind of look on my face of, what do you want? He's like, so you know, do you do you tip do you live around here? Do you do whatever? I'm like, yeah, I live around here. I just didn't have the time to put in the skillful energy that I needed to to manipulate this guy. And I would get really upset and I was like, Yeah, whatever. And I also found that if I was a little bit of a bitch, they always wanted to come back for more. So we're going back and forth. He's asking me questions. I'm like, Yeah, whatever, get away from me, whatever. And then he stops me, and he touches my arm, and I turn towards him like, why the hell are you touching me? And he says, can I ask you something? And I said, sure. He goes, why are you so angry?
1: So then after a couple more days, I would miss him and go back with him. So this back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, talk about manipulation went on for a long time. And he ended up getting really angry and frustrated. He goes, you're breaking my heart. On the one hand, you say you love me. On the next hand, you leave me. On the one hand, you say you love me. On the next hand, you leave me. And I was reminded, you know, as always, going back to this, but my mother, she came to visit years later. My sister and I, when we moved east, and when she came to visit for the holiday, the visit was interrupted because in the middle of her visit, she broke her foot. And she had to be tended to, looked after, and watched over the whole time because she felt no one was paying attention to her on the trip. So she completely manipulated the trip to make it all about her. And when there was a conflict when I was younger, she would always sob and cry and flail and say she had a, she'd had she get a headache, have to go to the hospital. So we always had to take care of her. So it was always about her all the time. So with Carl, I, we had one more treacherously John Hughes-like moment on a staircase in an apartment building where literally he's in the top of the staircase and I'm in the bottom – And he's like, you know, why don't you love me? And I'm like, but I do love you. And he's like, why don't you love me? And I'm like, I'm repeating lines from like 16 Candles. I could feel it coming. I could just, you know, I was going into script mode. And he stood at the top of the stairs. And he looked at me. And he was a smart guy. And he slowly and methodically walked down those stairs. And he looked at me straight in the eyes. He goes, you have the saddest eyes of every man I've ever met. Nobody's had sadder eyes than you. I can't be with that anymore. I've never forgotten that and there's a secret thing about me that you know there's always this sadness from my childhood. It never goes away. It never has when um he said that, I realized I had blown probably. The most exciting, adventurous, interesting relationship of all time.
0: I stopped dead in my tracks. I didn't even know how to answer him. Because what I realized was I was angry. I didn't even look at this man's face. I gave him no mind whatsoever. I don't know his story. I don't know his history. But I was sure ready to cut him off and, like, treat him like a piece of shit. And what I realized that day was that I was angry, I was fucking pissed in all of the relationships in my life and being left abandoned, uncared for, abused, neglected, all of those things. I was so angry that I felt like I had to manipulate situations as well in order to get something out of somebody as opposed to really being with them and asking them about them and loving on them and having that exchange. So my manipulation started to really taper off from that point forward. I never knew this guy's name. I'll never meet him again. It was the one question, why are you so angry, that actually changed my life. He had the balls to ask me, why are you so angry? And thank God, because I started taking a look at why am I so angry? What am I pissed off about, and how is this actually serving me? And so now... I manipulate and doing air quotes for all those people that are reacting to that, but I speak to my clients in ways where I will skillfully and artfully get them to take a look at those parts of their lives that are not working for them. And so now I I went from using it for the dark side, and now I'm like, you know, the manipulative Jedi, I guess you could say. I'm using it for good, and so, yeah, that's really it.
1: But it it didn't end there. When I moved to New York, he said to me, oh, my gosh, can you imagine? I'd first moved to New York. We could be in New York together, and we could work in the theater. My dream. We could write plays. We could act. Wouldn't that be great? So he comes all the way to New York from Seattle, fully engaged. And now I'm remembering this, this part. <laughs> Many times before we'd have sex, I couldn't get hard. I couldn't do it. And when he came to visit me when I was living on Broadway and 11th Street when I moved to New York, he said, why can't you get have sex when we're together? What is what's what is it? And it was always when he was so open and available and loving and kind to me, it's like I couldn't accept it and I couldn't get aroused. But when Paul was abusive, mean, cold, and callous to me, I was hard as a rock. When I was in control, and that's fucked up, and it's still going on in some ways. So we had a bit of an argument, and then he said, I'll go back to Seattle. You think about it if you want me to be here with you in New York. Then he found out after he went back to Seattle that he was HIV positive. And it terrified me. And I said, I don't think I want to be in this relationship. And he sent me back then, because it was an email time, a FedEx letter that was horribly like, you are the most manipulative, mean-spirited, cold-hearted cunt I've ever met. You and your white boy guilt can shove it up your ass. I come to you after I'm positive and you reject me. Fuck you. And I realized when that happened, I thought, I'm being just like my mother. I've tried numerous times to get in touch with him. He wants nothing to do with me. But even though he doesn't care about me, (laughs) he was the most wonderful man. Those brown eyes that... So handsome. My hands are sweating.
0: So, so, what did you take away from this? Like, what did you learn about yourself from this relationship? Because there's, there is just so. He held up the biggest mirror to you, Mm -hmm. so that you could see yourself. Mm -hmm. And so, what did you see, and what have you done differently since then? Because it's amazing how some of these people that love us so hard. Whether they know us or not, and they hold up these giant mirrors, teach us the greatest lessons we could have never had or learned without them in our lives. So what did you see and what did you learn?
1: It's the same thing I just said. It's like I, I couldn't take in being loved. I can't take in love. I can't receive love. I can give it. I'm a fucking guru about love and mush. But to take it in and to feel it and the sexual part where I couldn't get hard when I knew someone cared, that was fucking weird.
0: Yeah, so I want to talk about that also. So, I'm sure. and going back to not, <laughs> not in, instead of saying, I can't take it in, and you're going to love me because you know I'm a stickler for language, and you're like, fuck the language. But, you know, when you say, I can't take love in, you're really unwilling to because it's uncomfortable for you. And so, is that really where you're at, or is it that you can't take it in because you're just
1: dead and are,
0: <laughs> you know? Because I mean, that's really. Well, I prefer have to not say, right? to say that. Thank you. <laughs> but, but I mean,
1: no, no, no. This is what it is. When I take it in, so because I feel so much. Sometimes my emotions are a lot, and I've been told my whole life, "You're too much. You're too big. You're too too much of everything." My whole life, right? Too much. He never felt that about me. He was in drag. He had fabulous. I was just right. I was just right for him. He was like, bring it bigger. And the emotional stuff that I feel, my emotions are always right there. I'm just really good at hiding them. Mm-hmm. But I feel a lot, mm-hmm. right? And so it's, it's when I take in love, I get extremely vulnerable because I lose my mooring. Mm-hmm. And then I come back and then I just feel. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, we're back. Right Yeah, and it's such a watery place for me, but I feel all the time, but most often I was admonished for feeling, because it's a lot, and it just was like too much for people. So that was before, and she's dead now, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Knowing that, that juicy, pliable, warm, I feel right now in this moment, I feel so connected to you because you let me in. And that person that sees that is going to feel that also. When you talk about your relationships that you're looking for, like I'm crying with you at this moment. I'm tearing up because it's palpable. And whoever it is that you meet and experiences this is going to say, fuck yes, I want more of Michael. I want this. I don't want the crazy outlandish Michael. That one's great too. It's fucking, that's fantastic. And that showmanship is great and it's fun. But when I come home, I want this. This is what I want. This is true, real connection. This is what love looks like. And I'm not saying do it with everybody. But the special few that get to actually experience this.
1: So don't do it with the barista.
0: Right, not the barista. And not covering <laughs> it up with humor either.
1: Well, no, it's okay. The humor is part of that.
0: But. Right? But it's also, it's uncomfortable. But every time you do this with the special person that you choose to do this with, you will get yourself to stretch yourself even more to where it starts to feel a little bit easier Mm -hmm. and a little less uncomfortable for you.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And so the saying that I can't and I am unwilling to, it's really important when people say I can't because they're holding themselves in a place that is very small. They're actually willing. They can. They're just unwilling to, and it's okay. They're not ready to go there yet. I think that you
1: are. Because I know the depth of my sadness. I had a a dream last night for our photo shoot that we were doing it, and I I had this dream that I had all these scars on me, that you all saw them, and that you were okay with it. Yeah. It was very strange. Like, I saw these scars. I'm not used to that. And imagine that we actually are. I guess I'm not, because I know the depth of my of my sadness, and I know that I've been told this a lot, but, I mean, I talk about a lot with people, but what I went through, it was rough. The beatings, the, the things it does a thing to you. So I know that I'm special because of that, but I don't like it all the time. That's the, that's the thing. These emotions, I don't like them. And I know they're my gift, and I say this all the time to people, most people can't see or accept this level of hurt cuz it's pretty pretty big right so when i've seen people or work with people who have been abused i cannot believe the courage it takes to show these things cuz it it's it's so it hurts so much
0: Right, and so can you see that also reflective in yourself what do you mean that you went through all of that shit and other people instead of looking at you saying oh my god you're damaged goods looking at you and saying What a fucking superhero.
1: I see. I don't see that. See, I think that they just look at me and think, I hear whatever I call it, Carl's. You have the saddest eyes of any man I've ever met. That's what I think they see.
0: It's interesting because in Carl's perspective, really, what he was saying is he was seeing you being your mother, yet you had this depth of sadness in your eyes that he wanted to actually dive in there with you. Yeah,
1: I know. I couldn't let him. And
0: so you didn't want to let him, right? So
1: the, you love that can't won't.
0: I I really do. I do because right. it changes the perspective and it empowers. I, for me, it's very empowering. <laughs> whenever I say when I say fuck the can't, I'm not willing to. Then I get to really take a look at it. But anyway, that's another subject. Mm-hmm. When Carl got to really look at you, and he wanted to be a part of that sadness, he wanted to go in the trenches with you. Is what mm-hmm. I heard. Really, mm-hmm. that was an opportunity for you to open up, but. He saw you. Mm-hmm. He actually saw you. Mm-hmm. With all the glitter and the fluff and the everything else, he actually could see right through you. And what a beautiful connection. I have a feeling he still loves you. I have a feeling there is still a place in his heart for you. He's so
1: mad at me, though.
0: He is very mad at you. You're a different person today, and if course, you wanted to have that relationship, I tried. Him...
1: No, I tried. Even when I worked through a lot of stuff, he had no interest. He wants nothing to do with me, okay. and that, and I respect that. It was after the HIV stuff, and
0: even if he doesn't, he gave you more than than I think probably a lot of people have in your life. He gave you a
1: lot. Yeah, because my ex told me you're too sensitive for this world. You don't. You can't do these things, and so that further. Help me to dive even deeper into the mask how do you manipulate today yourself
0: i manipulate myself in a multitude of different ways sometimes you know when somebody asks me how's your day going and i say it's good i lie to myself that everything give me, is- you know
1: you're so articulate give me the most surprising
0: what do you mean? The most surprising way? I yeah, because myself? your
1: your initial one or two answers are going to be people's long pondered answers. I'm interested for the other answer underneath there because you're so clear about manipulation, so yeah. excited to talk about it. That story with your mother and God and that relationship, girl. We are going to talk about God and the church someday <laughs> because what she <laughs> got in you about. That's that's some clever fucking shit with your mother. Mm-hmm. Like, Ian was over here giving a goal. Like, he his hands shot into the air because we're both. I wanted to, too, because that was an unreal story. Yeah. yeah. So that sort of tit for tat, that sort of the shame in that, the God stuff, the morality, all that sort of stuff. So you said you were with Darth Vader and now you're with Princess Leia. Luke Skywalker with all of this. So how did that have an effect on you with what happened with you, with particularly the toys and the stuff and the God stuff? What do you think that taught you then that helps you to understand how to kindly and skillfully manipulate without a negative connotation to it?
0: So I really got to pause, right? And and that moment back then I paused. I outweighed. I said, what is it that this person wants? And I really, I read her for who she really was. So I could map her and figure out if I chose
1: X. What's map mean?
0: Map is really um, whenever you can look at somebody's behaviors over time or even in five minutes, you can see the way that they're standing, the way they hold themselves, the tone, the way they're coming in. You can really like feel how they are, where they are, and so you know how to be with them.
1: So So, So no wonder the previous podcast about sex and love makes sense now. Mm-hmm. For you.
0: 100%.
1: Because that's the cohabitation of those two things. Your great skill is mapping, so detaching and observing, making an assessment and moving forward. Yep. Because that's where your intelligence is and how you coped and survived. Yep. Now I see how that relates to their podcast. Anyway, continue. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. So... I could figure out, okay, she pretends to be a godly woman, so in order for me to get more things, let me be the good girl. Let me show up as the good Christian girl so that I can get more Did you have
1: her. that cognitive awareness then about how to turn it? Really? I did. And how old are you?
0: Uh, six to eight, that's somewhere on there. That's
1: a fucking trip. So you, where did that come from?
0: I don't know. See, I was always—it's it's funny because I went to— um,
1: You said this before.
0: Yeah, I I had a really high IQ back then, and Mm -hmm. so they put me into another satellite school where I I was learning Russian and all this crazy stuff, right? So I, I went to a different school than my other classmates. I never knew what I was really good at. I didn't get it. I just, Fabergé eggs were not my thing, right? Russian, I hated it. It sounded guttural. My grades were good, but I had to work at it. But what I did find out is I had a very, very good, keen sense of Mapping somebody and then moving through things, or taking creating something from nothing. Where does the
1: emotion get layered in there? Because mapping, I've seen it with you numerous times, and also on on here when we talk, I see you get into a very analytical mode, Mm -hmm. and I recognize it in you. And you detach, and you become extremely pragmatic and very clear. And then, where does the layering of the emotion come into there? Because the irony is, no one knows. Seeing you in here every single podcast, you get very emotional, Mm -hmm. and you're very, very, very emotional. So those two split things, I'm just wondering how it gets layered in there.
0: Typically, it depends on what it is and what, my, what I want the outcome to be, right? So if it's not about me, I'm clear that it's not about me. And so I, I can kind of move to that, you know, uh, where I'm formulating things and I get very analytical. It's, it's so interesting because I'll map it and then I'll say, okay, then I'll, I'll discuss it. And in the discussion, I'll allow my emotions to come up.
1: That's and what I'm asking. As, like, so There we go. So talk that's about where that. it is. Yeah, there's where it is. So talk about how you map, you see it, you understand it, you get it. Then do you think to yourself, I'm going to partition this emotion to this thing in this manner? Like, how do you think about it?
0: I allow myself to be free. It's not that I think of the emotion I'm going to layer in there. It's like, okay, now I'm going to be free to experience my experience.
1: What does that mean? I don't understand what that means. That so, sounds like something out of a seminar.
0: Yeah, it does, right? It does. But it it's really so I'm the type of person that can go through a car accident and I'm the only one that remembers it. Because at that moment I click into my brain, I need to remember everything. I need to be analyzing what's going Why? on in the situation. Why? Because for me it's been a safety mechanism. Correct. Right? Why? Going back to childhood and needing to read my mother and my father and figuring out where they were. For what reason? Because they were abusive to each other. So and what, what were you
1: training yourself to do? Map. For what reason though? Survival. For yeah, to, to protect yourself.
0: Yeah, survival. Yeah. Protect myself, absolutely. And right. so I still I use that instinctually today, but it's it's more I'm clear that it's it's around so that I can choose when I'm gonna bring it in and when I'm gonna let it go. So I'll if something's coming up, I'll be analytical and then I'll say, Okay, got it, got the clear picture of what I think is going on and then I'll say, Let me just be with it now. There was another thing that you said at the very beginning when you said, he gave me all of him. Define all of him. What does that mean?
1: He didn't hold back. He was completely there, present. Everything about him, his vulnerabilities, his strength, his humor, his sexuality, his gayness, his maleness, it was all there. There was nothing held back. There just wasn't anything held back with him. He just didn't hold back. And in the theater, in the show he was in, he was just all present, you know. And I have always been tight, concerned with how I look, very, very emotional and, and never can control the emotions, you know, just, I'm a live wire. (laughs) I really am. (laughs) Are you
0: wanting that currently in your next relationship? Your last and only relationship is what I'm going to put out there for you? The, having two do you, relationships?
1: No. <laughs> oh, he <laughs> got held up too. I thought he had two relationships. No, what, what I
0: was saying is—is it—is that what you want in your next relationship? How are you using that for you know the other side, the light side now? Like we mm. we understand the manipulation before was really to just kind of keep love at bay and so that you wouldn't be seen. But mm. now, now that you are doing what you're doing, you know that lovely word life coach. How is this working for you now? Do you use it today? What do you mean? manipulation
1: no the work is so pure really it's so sacred to me
0: Mm
1: -hmm. that someone would be there because i know how hard it is for me to do it Mm -hmm. for them to be vulnerable with me Mm
0: -hmm.
1: because i know what that's like like just here right now i don't always understand the the limits of how fast and how quick they can go so i push too hard sometimes because i'm impatient with my own life so sometimes I push a little too quickly, and I get a lot of comments the next day if that was a lot. <laughs> Can we talk? And I have to bring them down a little bit because I right. go really fast and hard. I like, I like to spar a little bit.
0: But you're in constant check is what I hear you saying. You're in constant check.
1: Oh, no. One thing about me is I'm I'm very clear in the work.
0: I mean, in your personal life, right? Wherever it is, your work, personal life, but you're in check of the... the Well, what I'm doing is
1: what I... The reason I asked about your mapping and about your emotion, Mm -hmm. because I'm blending now having more of an open heart while at the same time being clear, but having a little more of an open heart and knowing that that's just not going to be for some people. Got it. And I know that I'm just trying to have a more open heart in how I'm going about life. So where does instinct come in here?
0: Okay, so it's funny because I said instinct. I don't think it's my automatic. That's what I'll say. I don't know if it's instinctual or it's my automatic, though, for sure. what I'm
1: enjoying about this today is that we're trying to challenge our, our automatic systems to kick into gear a new system maybe, right? Right. So to hear you go into a mapping because it's something you're comfortable with and where you feel in control and you know you're good at, and then to siphon in, to allow in the emotional thing, then part of me is like, well, where's the instinct come in? The the gut reaction to a person, like when we first chatted on the phone last year, like at first I felt the mapping, right? And then I felt – and then you just – it just all fell away. And then I was like, no, no, no. This is someone – different and I tried to get to your emotional that's what I do I go to the emotional thing in a person right so where where does the emotion the instinctual stuff do you trust instinct I do okay so how does it compete with
0: and I'm also okay with being wrong Right, So that's how the difference is between, I think, people like us mm-hmm. where we will say something because we're experiencing it in that moment about somebody else. I'm also okay with being wrong. I don't need to be right about it either. So if I'm saying something and it's off the cuff, I'm like, okay, that's, that's great. So I don't, I don't have an issue with being wrong. It's just being willing to jump in there. So
1: That's not kind of what I'm saying. What I'm saying is like, so when you meet somebody and experience them, you're either going to map them and then you're going to layer in the emotional stuff or you get an instinctual gut response about them which first comes into play now with you today
0: i don't need to know if it's instinctual i just know it's automatic for me that i map everybody maps they do there are certain levels of mapping that i think that occur but you know everybody maps everybody you can't walk onto a train a subway here in new york city without scanning the space and saying oh coming up with some judgments or opinions or thoughts about whatever's going on in your environment it, that's an instinctual thing. We need to do that to survive.
1: So if we were to layer on a assessment of your personality, whatever that means, right. you would have a clear layering of an emotional intuitiveness, but also an intellectual sort of mapping thing in there. Because I my experience is the opposite. When I meet with someone, it's immediately emotionally intuitive understanding and feeling of that person. Then I'll go into a pragmatic sort of breakdown to make sure I'm choosing the right person and sort of checking them out. And that's why sometimes I choose the wrong people.
0: That's interesting. Mm,
1: it is, isn't it? Because I don't yeah.
0: bring my emotions into my mapping. I, that's I my check question. check out their emotions first, but I'm not attached to it.
1: See, that's what, that's what I sense with you. Yeah. And so I'm asking about that because how has that helped you to enjoy your life? And, and where is that now? Like, how is that changing? How is that moving? Because you're, cha- you're going through a thing right now. Where is that changing now?
0: I don't know that it is. I'm really comfortable with the way that it is. I Where do you want it to go? Nowhere. I, I actually Oh, enjoy I can't believe it. that with you. I believe you want no, to go No, I, I, really, I really don't. What do you I, want to create I with enjoy this? Enjoy like, it. I enjoy I, it. What do I want to create with? I've been creating with it. It's actually been working great for me. It's like, don't fix something that's not broken. It's been working for me, and it feels really good because I also know, for the longest time, I didn't know when to let go of the emotion. Right, It would just be pragmatic and so you analytical did a flood the of, entire time. Right. So you
1: did feel a flood of the emotion, and now it's like recalibrating and working and throttling with the emotion. So you're commingling the mapping and intuitive emotional component to have a more holistic, integrated view about how to conduct yourself and be with people in life.
0: Yeah, because I love being soft. And I love that people can look at me and say, you are love. And I love it that you yeah, yeah, yeah. know but also, that I have a gooey also, center and I know that a But I've this also seen you as a businesswoman. <laughs> yes, I know when to turn it on and off. I'm very clear <laughs> of when it can happen. Yeah. But I also, <laughs> to those people that deserve to see that gooiness in me, I choose to let that out.
1: And when you let it out, it's gorgeous. Yeah. And I've also seen you in business mode.
0: And same with you. Yeah,
1: I know. Just yeah, saying. yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I tend to be kind of Yeah, and I do. I have my
0: business modes. Listen, sometimes the heart doesn't need to be in places. Sometimes, you know, the emotion can be left out of it because it has nothing to There are times in my head where I say, "Fuck your emotions." Because when a client says no to me and I get all emotional about it, it's not going to help me.
1: See, I can't do that. I've got to say, I got to acknowledge how I feel and then I can say it's not personal.
0: Oh. Hey, so we know there was a lot of information in this last episode. So if you'd like to reach out to us, we're at podcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave us a voicemail about what's going on in your life, 201-685-0828.
1: Stripped is co-hosted by Jennifer Ho and Michael C. Bryan. It is co-created by Michael C. Bryan, Jennifer Ho, and Ian Hamilton. It is produced by Ian Hamilton and Mariana Trevino is recorded and edited by Rich Cerbini at Hanger Studios in New York City.